Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Dave Dufour is in the building. So happy to have Dave back on the show. Also presented by The Athletic, by the way. Technically. Also presented by The Athletic. Dave is <laughs> Dave's everywhere on The Athletic. I mean, that guy is just unbelievable. He's he, How many podcasts do you do for this company? I God, don't it feels know. like a million. I don't. I You know what? Uh, as many as I can. <laughs> just never stop gotta, talking. Got to show that value. I yeah, love it. Yeah, it's amazing. What's up? We're going to do NBA <laughs> awards here. Uh, we're going to do preseason awards, and we're going to do like a little bit of a different spin on it, right? So we're going to do your traditional MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all that stuff. And then on top of it, we're going to add a few categories that I find interesting and might spice up the idea of a traditional awards podcast. Uh, most underrated offseason move that could swing the title race. Most interesting preseason trade target. Things like that. And... We're just going to have a fun time. We're going to chat about just random things that happen uh, across the NBA this preseason. Dave, how much preseason basketball have you watched thus far? Uh, not a ton. Not a ton. Yeah. I, I'm, I'll be honest about it. I, I try to catch like, all right, first quarter here, first quarter there. I'm doing a lot of reading right now of the, the guys that and, and gals that cover these teams because – it's more important to get the reporting for me right now because then I can have an idea of, all right, well, this is what I think the roster is going to look like. The rotation is going to look like as we get into the regular season. The, the preseason stuff for me winds up being largely a waste. I mean, some of these guys, like the two-way guys who are out there competing for a spot, that that I can get some value from. But, you know, outside of maybe seeing some stuff from new coaches like, you know, like – Saw that the Mavs did a bunch more post ups. You know what I mean? Uh, John Morant t- uh, hunting some more off the, you know, off the dribble threes. Very few stuff. Very few things that I actually find extremely useful about the preseason. So no, I'm not watching a ton right now. Yeah, how concerned are you about that Maverick situation? Because I am. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm very concerned. We'll and see. raised. <laughs> we'll see. Like, look, I, I don't. I don't think that. Obviously, this is a downgrade at coach. I don't think anyone yeah. is going to argue that. I mean, I think if, you know, everyone being honest about it, even the people involved in the situation would say that. It is a downgrade. Like, Rick Carlisle is a great coach. But you never know, man. Sometimes a different voice can change things. And all of the reports that we've heard out of, you know, the Lakers camp is that everything went great there. So I, I guess we'll see what it's like when, you know, there's a little bit of power involved, which has – traditionally been one of the problems that and not being able to coach very well right like that's the biggest problem is not being a good basketball coach but guys get yeah. better i mean you know any coach has an opportunity to improve and he got to go and coach under frank vogel who is a everyone respects as a as a real good coach i mean he won a title so there, there's a right. you know he's in rarefied air there i don't know we'll see how it goes i i'm i'm cautiously you know just kind of ambivalent right now i want to see it first but if they're aggressive defensively like he was trying to do in milwaukee that team is going to be a disaster so i hope we don't see that and just like the general post-up stuff that you mentioned as There's well a lot of like we know that everybody yeah, we know the up. porzingis can't do that well like we've I seen know, evidence of it we know i, I do think like, that the, the traditional get his back to the basket i do think that there are some opportunities that get missed for porzingis in 
on the block, not necessarily post-ups. I don't think they get them moving into that space a lot, you know, as as often as they ought to. And even, you know, when they create those mismatches, they're often so late in recognizing that he's got a mouse in the house that he can just turn and shoot over. I think that's the other problem, right? When he catches the ball, I really just want him to turn and be seven feet tall when he's got a guy who's 6'5 on him instead of right. – you know, being a buck ninety or whatever he weighs, right? Like that's the difference in what he does as a post up player. Is I want quick and decisive jump shooter face up, and he still tries to back guys down. He's just too weak for that. He, his hips are too high, and especially if you get a, a stout guy who's you know six three, six four, you just can't do anything with that. So I, I will say though, right. I want to see more Luca post ups. I think that that's yeah. a good thing for them. I mean, he can his, his with his court vision and his size, especially when he gets a mismatch. That is a positive to me. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't want to see any Dorian Finney-Smith post-ups. Oh, God. that's right. a, As much as I love Dorian Finney-Smith, like yeah, that just seems like player, a bad But let's not do that. Bad plan. Yeah. So the the problem with the Porzingis like, mid-range, because a lot of it ends up being these mid-range jumpers, 100%. right? Because he's just Contested. not not physical enough to like bury someone for the reasons that you just said, right? High hips does not have that great uh, lower body strength. Uh, over the last two years, Christoph Porzingis has shot 38.3% and 40.5% from 10 to 16 feet and has shot 40.5 and 42.5% from 16 feet to the three point line. So the farther mid range areas, it's just hard to win based off the math. Whenever you're shooting 40%, from mm-hmm. those ranges like i don't know i i like the way that rick carlisle was doing it i think that you space guys out i think that you kind of uh let luca do things that way and i think you try and find the third guy uh to play with them because i think there's value in Kristaps. Yeah. i think there's definitely value in a lot of the guys they have on that roster but they're still a guy away they I need think, a guy from, who like, can really... come and stir the drink you know like yeah. they've got luca and that's it yeah, they need a second ball handler, I thought. That's that's why I was a little bit surprised they didn't really seem to chase Spencer Dinwiddie this summer. I thought that would be an interesting one. But Is that a know, Goron thing, we'll though? Is that just assuming that they're going to be in on Goron on a buyout or or maybe a you know a trade of some sort? Oh, well, we're going to get to Goron okay. in one of these I sections. I mean, that feels like that, a gamble. Uh, I've got but, set here. Okay, all right. Well, let's, let's jump yeah. into the show. Don't let me derail us with Mavericks. No, it's good. I, I haven't talked enough about the Mavericks and their coaching change yet. Yeah, uh, I have. I think there is a real chance that that is like a nightmare situation. Oh, it, it, listen, it could be a disaster, yeah. but it could be totally fine because you've got Luka Doncic, right? Like, if it's a bad team, then certainly I'm I'm leaning towards saying, all right, this is going to be awful. But you still have Luka, so you know. Co- look, coaching is. I I think it's often overlooked. And then I also think the impact is often overrated. Having great players mm-hmm. is the single most important contributing factor to winning in the NBA. Great players win games. Yeah. Great coaches win stuff on the margins. They pick up extra wins that might be losses. And they have the team over – like the overall preparedness of the team is, is usually better than an average coach. And so yep. – you know that's the kind of stuff that I'm that I'm worried that this team is going to be missing is you know that Rick Carlisle knows how to actually coach and run a basketball team and what we've seen so far with Jason Kidd in both Brooklyn and Milwaukee was there was a little bit of chaos there 
you know? Yeah. Let's, that, uh, let's move Dallas on and talk been, about... Not that Dallas has been a walk in the park for everybody the last couple of years. Uh, no, it has not, unfortunately. Shout out to uh, let's go to Let's go to uh, the awards section here. So we're going to do a bunch of... I think we've got like eight or nine different things here we're going to talk about. We're going to start with MVP because I feel like that's the thing that everyone wants to hear the most. Let's is start at the top of the league. I think so. It's in terms tricky. of like individual awards. Yeah, yeah. I think that the MVP this year is it's going to be a tricky one be, just because of, you know, where we're at as far as certain players careers. You know, I, I don't think LeBron is likely to be pushing to win an MVP in the way that you really have to. Yeah. At this point, because guys are competing for that. Um, there's that yeah. aspect of it. And I think that there's also the aspect like it did not go unnoticed to me. That in the general manager survey that recently came out, that Nikola Jokic was not only the like not voted to be a potential like best player in the league, like he was third among international players in voting for Behind best Giannis player, and, and best Luka. international player. Yeah, so I worry that there's going to be like a bit of a a bit of a reaction to Jokic winning MVP. Uh, that is totally unfair to Jokic, but will almost like certainly take him out of the running for MVP. Oh, despite you're the fact saying that there's like no chance at a back to back. I look. I think there are a lot of narrative factors that go in his favor toward something like an MVP. But I, you could see it last year. Like you could see that people like wanted to vote for LeBron and just like didn't last year. Uh, I worry that we see something like that happen, uh, despite the fact that like Nikola Jokic is going to have to play without Jamal Murray and is going to have to like carry a defense uh, or at least like make a defense competent where he's playing next to Michael Porter. Like we talk about Jokic not being good defensively. He's pretty OK, especially when it comes to like organizing the defense and like mm-hmm. communicating and things like that. He is kind of the key guy there. So, look. In my opinion, I think Nikola Jokic like would be somewhere in my top three. I just don't think people see it that way. And by the way, our good friends at BetMGM, sponsor of the Game Theory Podcast, sportsbook partner of The Athletic, they have Nikola Jokic right now at eighth among MVP candidates. He's the same odds as like, yeah, he's the same odds as Trey Young right now. It's sixteen to one. I, I just think that given the way this award is voted on, it, I think it's going to be hard for Kevin Durant. Or uh, for Nikola Jokic, I'm sorry, I looked at Kevin Durant on here, um, to build up that momentum that he did last year with his incredible play. I'm yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, you know, I don't know if I totally agree that people didn't want to vote for him, but I do, I do realize that there was that sentiment that they wished yeah. that he wasn't. Oh, if this guy hadn't gotten hurt, it would have been him. Is what the—that's how it felt to me, at least. I, I don't know that they didn't necessarily want to vote for Jokic. If, if that does that make sense? I think they just felt like yeah. maybe because I don't think most people want to take stuff away from guys when they do well. But I wonder if people were just so disappointed by how many guys were were derailed during the season when yeah. things like when they were cooking and even on his own team, right? Like Jamal Murray goes down and, you know, Jokic has to take it up a notch. Um, but 
I, I don't know if that'll affect him or not. I think I think Murray being out might give him, like you said, like might give him a little bit of an edge. But Michael Porter is probably going to score like twenty six or twenty seven points a game, and like he's just going to have a crazy year. And yeah. Jokic, I don't think he's going to try to score as hard as he did last season. I think it could be, you know, look, he was he was definitely more aggressive, especially down the stretch last season. I wonder yeah. if Michael Porter Jr. having that healthy backcourt for the first time in, in a long time for them, uh, if he doesn't try to facilitate even more and go back to what he was doing previously where he was able to just hunt shots down the stretch. A lot of this is, you know, no Jamal Murray, right? Right. Yeah, I would expect that we see a good amount early in the season of mm-hmm. facilitating Jokic. Uh, I wonder if it turns into them needing him to score oh, on some sure. level. Yeah. Like Will Barton is there. Yeah. Like the, it, it helps to have Will Barton back. It uh, helps obviously to have like a full season of that front court now with Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic. I, I just kind of think that he's going to need to score because part of what makes Porter so valuable is his off ball scoring, not necessarily his like on ball creativity as a shot creator i think we're going to see more of that but uh, i think we're kind of i think i'm like kind of eliminating Jokic a little bit from this not because he's not great like i think Nikola Jokic is probably the second best offensive player in the nba uh behind the guy that i'm gonna pick for mvp but uh, it just feels like the narrative forces are going to conspire against him in a way that frustrates me my pick is kevin durant uh, I think Kevin Durant is the best player on planet Earth. Uh, I think that there are real narrative forces going in his favor with Kyrie Irving, you know, us being very unclear on what's going to happen with Kyrie is maybe the fair way to put it. Uh, and the way that he closed last year made me strongly feel that he is completely back and that he he might like want this award like he might actually want to be the guy that like wins i believe he only has one mvp right now and it'd be kind of crazy to me if kevin durant ends his career with one mvp right uh yeah that would be kind of wild if he if he did but i mean i guess with when you consider the era i mean it just it like he's had some odd luck there hadn't he and then playing in golden state where you know, you're, you're playing with Steph Curry. People aren't going to give you as much credit yeah. as you probably deserve. See, KD was my pick last season because I, I really mm-hmm. thought, it, like, hey, that guy's going to come back. And if he's healthy, right, that was that was the whole thing. Clearly he was. And then, you know, had some injury issues. And that kind of, you know, the narrative kind of goes away when guys miss, you know, 15 games or whatever. Um, yep. I don't know, man. I, I think with the whole season of him and Harden, people aren't going to want to give him as much credit. I think this is just kind of – where and, and it sucks that it's going to be a narrative it's always a narrative driven award anyway but in right. particular for kevin durant i i do think it's going he's not going to be able to get it because of that now also would you be shocked if they're thinking mostly about the playoffs and maybe they're the second or third seed instead of the one seed like would that totally shock you no de- okay. definitely wouldn't totally shock me i, I guess that my question would be, other than Milwaukee, who would be the team that would jump them? Right. Just given the situation with Philadelphia right absolutely, now. Absolutely. Right. So I've got Atlanta as as a team that could sneak into like the top two. 
just because of all the depth yeah. that they got. You know, I mean, the team is just super deep. They might actually be a team that needs to make a consolidation trade just because they have so many guys right now. Like, you know, they got to start thinking a, a, a couple years ahead. But uh, I digress. With, with Brooklyn, I could see them going either way. I could see it being, all right, you know what? We've got something to prove. And they're just going to go gangbusters. Or, hey, Kevin Durant's going to play 65 games this year. And we're we're thinking about April, May, and June, not you know this regular season. Because I mean, let's face it, like Kevin Durant is getting older. He's got yeah, you know, had a serious injury. Like I mean, these are considerations that we have to make, or at least that we have to consider. Um, I, man, the MVP is going to be tricky because I could see Giannis being back in the picture. I mean, you know, just yeah. won a, a Finals and was Finals MVP, and we've seen this happen. On numerous occasions, I mean, think about think about the Warriors in the seventy three and nine season off the back of the title. It was almost like they arrived, they were here, and then they had all this extra confidence, and there's some kind of a boost that you get. I mean, I could see that with Giannis, my my guy, and this is this is a tricky one because I don't actually think I, mean, I don't think this is likely to happen, but I know Utah is going to be a top three team in the West, potentially the number one seed. I mean, if Donovan Mitchell is at like 28, 29, 30 points a game, which we know he can do, couldn't Donovan Mitchell potentially sneak an, an MVP? I think that he could at some point. I don't know if it'll happen this year. That's, see, th- this is the thing that I keep playing around with. It's like because Paul George has an opportunity. This year is weird. Right? So yeah. Paul George has a shot. And a lot of this is just – it really is – considering the narratives not necessarily who is who's the best player this season right like the best play i thought Jokic was the best player last season i thought that yeah he's the guy who should have won the mvp right, that i totally agree to with me, that right? too yeah yeah but but like kevin durant is the best player in the league or it's Giannis or something like that but last season i thought Jokic, top to bottom had the best season i thought uh Giannis was actually right there with him and if Giannis had won another mvp it would have been fine with me it was, that, it was that close. And when you consider Giannis's defense and how important it is for what Milwaukee does, I, I would have been totally fine with it. But uh, Giannis said so, – so A little bit you more bring up Giannis, though, him, and I think Giannis could win it again this year. It's, where, that, it's a long way to get to – I think Giannis can win it again this year. I think he can too, definitely. The thing that's kind of breaking my brain a little bit with Giannis winning would be – Giannis having three MVPs and Kevin Durant only having one. And Giannis is certainly on a trajectory to where he could very well have a more relevant career than Kevin Durant. He's not there yet. And I just am kind of looking at this. It's just, it's a bizarre thing to me. Like, I guess looking back at like the holistic way that the NBA evaluates players and their careers. It's going to be really hard for me to understand that Kevin Durant only won one MVP in an era when Giannis, you know, won three or uh, an era where Nikola Jokic also won an MVP. Like Kevin Durant is one of the, uh, like, I seriously think he's going to be one of the 15 best players to ever play basketball, if not higher. Yeah. And to only come away with one MVP award, in large part, it would be because of the Golden State years. Like, his prime occurred in in, in a uh, situation where he was next to Stephen Curry. 
But like, I'm just going to be real with you. I think Kevin Durant is a better basketball player than Stephen Curry. Like, full stop. Uh, in terms of his career value, I get that Golden State fans are probably like fucking turning off the podcast now. But man, it's tough for me to just kind of look at the holistic nature of Kevin Durant's career. And I guess that like, look, MVP in the 2021-22 season isn't a career achievement award. But so much of the time it kind of is. Like so much of the time we give these awards out like based off of more than just one season, right? Listen, there's a couple of things there. It's kind of like Kobe, right? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It it is a little bit like Kobe because Kobe only won one as well. Yeah, like you could go back. I mean, Kevin Durant has had seasons that were good enough to win MVP, but this is where the narrative part of this, I think, comes in quite heavily, right? Like his MVP season, uh, that was a no brainer, I thought. And he probably, you can make an argument for what? At least one more, maybe two. Right? Yeah, I would then say. Who are you take? Like, are you taking away one of Steph's? I don't think so. Yeah, this no, is where you're it not comes taking away one because of Steph's. It's, it's not as much. It's not just a, 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 about Kevin Durant. It's about all the other guys too. Like, because Kevin Durant is, like you said, one of the 15 best basketball players to ever play in the NBA. Like right now, today. And I wonder he may only wind up with one MVP. It, it is wild. Yeah. Like it's just kind of hard for me to wrap my head around that a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Like, but it does happen. I, I mean, look like you can't take away like Steph's 2016 year, right? Like he's kind of, he lost a season of his it, prime I don't think, you know, to an injury and, and very well could have won the MVP in that, in that, that what wound up being the bubble year. Yeah, that's a good point. No, no, no. The He's bubble a, year was the one that he missed, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if he maybe hadn't missed it yeah. that season, right, coming out of the Golden State situation, like he would have actually – and again, I hate that it's about a narrative thing. I also – and we've talked about this before. I think that these sorts of awards are great hooks to get us discussing the differences between great players. But I don't – like. it doesn't matter to me that Kevin Durant only has one MVP. <laughs> you know, I, I think Kevin yeah. Durant – like that guy's – like. What he has done speaks for itself. Yeah, it does. I just worry that when we look back on it, because he chose to join the Warriors and because he created a super team in Brooklyn, that people are going to look back on it as he needed like more help than the other superstars of his era, when I don't think that's the case. I think that it would be a ridiculous narrative to say that. Um I think he was the guy who stirred the drink for Golden State in the playoffs when they won their two titles in 2017 and 2018, right? Like he was freaking unbelievable in his two finals MVPs showcase that, right? Um, I, I just, I hope that people don't look back on Kevin Durant and go, he was, he like rode the coattails of other players and things like that. Only 14 um, guys have even won more than one MVP, period. And now Kevin yeah. Durant needs to be on the list. I, I actually now I I'm actually pushing for that. I'm not I'm not necessarily expecting it or anything, but I am going to be driving the narrative. If he's good this year, that's it. Kevin Durant, we got to get him another another MVP. See, like that that's the kind of thing that I right. think will happen though. I'm looking at this yeah. list like Bob Pettit has two. Carl Malone has two. 
Get out of right. here. Carl, Carl Malone. Malone won. Yeah. Yeah. He should so, have won. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, the, was, the Malone MVP the one year is uh, is very hotly listen, contested. Man, uh, you're tired of voting for Jordan. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, just some other odds here from BetMGM. Luka Doncic is the favorite at four to one. Joel Embiid at seven to one. I think Embiid, if the 76ers are good, there's yeah. going to be a significant narrative push for him. And I don't even think it'll be narrative. I think it'll probably be rightful that he'll be right in the mix if he plays 65 or 70 games. Uh, Kevin Durant is the third favorite at seven or tied for the second favorite, I guess, with Embiid at seven to one. Giannis is the fourth favorite at eight to one. Stephen Curry's nine to one. Damian Lillard, 11 to one. LeBron, 14 to one. Jokic is 16 to one. Trey Young, 16 to one. Devin Booker's 20 to one. And by the way, Devin Booker's 20 to one and Chris Paul is a hundred to one. Um, that is weird to me um that I, I can't quite navigate why there's such an enormous difference in their odds i kind of like chris paul as the as a market inefficiency there uh anthony davis james harden jason tatum all 25 to one i think it's probably tatum is interesting too the by the way there i think tatum is kind of an interesting mvp choice i wonder if this is the year we see him take that like Paul George, like third place MVP spot um, that Paul George did when he was with Oklahoma city. Cause Tatum, I think is going to be awesome this year. I think he's going to be unbelievable. I, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that if, if Boston can be better than we all expect, cause again, it's all about those expectations. Yep. If they can really be is. better than we expect top four in the, in the East level, we'll, we'll hear some Jason Tatum talk. I mean, this is this is just like with the Mavs. If if the Mavs are top four, we're going to hear Luca. If you know, I think with the Nuggets, right? If they if they're in that top three conversation, we're going to hear Jokic. Yeah, I think winning is going to matter for the MVP award a, a great deal, as it maybe hasn't the last you know couple of seasons. Not just because I think that going back to a normal ish schedule where it doesn't feel you know there, there's no bubble there's fans in the arena i think that that is going to have an impact and i think that at least i hope voters actually do look at winning because that should matter too the nets had the best record and kevin durant is at 30 points a game i i mean that should be your while MVP, kyrie right? irving is doing right. whatever kyrie irving is doing yeah so that i mean you know like to me that's i, I like I think that going away from that style of voting where it was like, you know, one of the top two teams in the league as far as win, wins and losses go, and who's their best player. And then that's most likely your MVP. And it doesn't always work out that way, but I just think that's a pretty safe way to to pick it. Do you have a pick, Dave, before we move on? Yeah, Giannis. I'm going to say Giannis. Okay. I, I think, think that's I mean, he's going to be incredible, man. And, and he's going he's gonna to defend like crazy. And, you know, he's Giannis, and he's in his prime, man. I mean, this guy is so, this is him for the next few years. I'm glad you brought up defense. Let's take a quick commercial break and uh we're we're gonna have some fun with defensive player of the year real quick. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. 
everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we are back. Let's uh let's dive into defensive player of the year where I think these odds are pretty interesting. So we've got Rudy Gobert obviously the favorite 7 to 2. Ben Simmons is sitting at 7 to 2 here. I just have no idea how anyone could feel confidence putting their money on Ben Simmons right now. Uh Miles Turner 13 to 2 is the third favorite. Joel Embiid 10 to 1, Anthony Davis 10 to 1, Giannis 10 to 1. Bam Adebayo 14 to 1. Draymond Green 20 to 1, Matisse Thybulle 20 to 1, Drew Holiday 20 to 1. So I have a bit of an off the wall take uh, among that group. And I would like to hear your take on wait, defensive wait, wait. No, no, player no. of the year first. Wait, no. No. You can't you can't tease an off the wall take and then say, here you go, Dave, give me your your gene- like your okay. vanilla so take. Come on, man. So my I think we're gonna get a significant push for a guard to win it this year because you could see that push coming last year, like late in the year, drew holiday and drew holidays, like representation started making like pretty substantial statements that guys like drew holiday guys that are like wings, they can't win the defensive player of the year award. And that's ridiculous. Right. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought at some point that like Ben Simmons would be the happy medium among that group. Right. Like, we give the defensive player of the year award to Ben Simmons at some point because he fits the paradigm of where the league is going in terms of switchability. He's a really great perimeter defender as well. We'd be, you know, kind of shifting the paradigm of the award at some point. I kind of wonder if it's true holiday this year. 
let me give the case for why people I think will very strongly consider Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is coming off of an Olympics run where he genuinely like changed the pace of the Olympic team, like changed the entire narrative. It seemed like of the Olympic team, like he was probably their second best player behind Kevin Durant at the Olympics. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah. So we have this narrative push for a perimeter player to win the award that occurred late last year. And maybe that, maybe that doesn't stand to this year. Maybe that doesn't like continue forward this year. I don't think that Drew Holiday is necessarily the most impactful defensive player, but again, these things are narrative driven and Drew Holiday sitting there at 20 to one as the 10th favorite to win the defensive player of the year award. I mean, I, I think that's pretty good odds. And honestly, like I think that there is a real, really strong reason to choose drew holiday given the narrative forces at play also he's the best perimeter defender in the nba like at the point of attack just straight up he's so disruptive he's switchable on ones through threes Uh, there's every reason to take drew holiday based off of skill other than the fact that guys like rudy gobert and joel Embiid and miles turner are just more impactful because they're centers and it's easier for them to impact a greater number of shots in my opinion Okay, that's not that wild. I I will say you're going to deal with the, well, you know, Giannis is playing back there. His job is easy. Like, is that stuff? Um, How how do you feel about the Golden State Warriors this year? Uh, I'd like to know more about what Clay's timeline looks like. You know what? Uh, You know what I'm high on for them? Their defense. Their defense. And I think Draymond Green has a really good chance here. To, to win another defensive player of the year. I, I mean, they were a top five defense last year, and they definitely should not have been. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. I think that they're going to be in that top seven this year, and I think Draymond will have a really, really good chance because if, if they can defend and if the, some of this stuff from Jordan Poole is real and if they can find a way to survive until Clay makes it, and let's say they're somehow like the sixth seed. Uh, you're going to point at Draymond Green. You're going to say that doesn't happen without him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like that's it. a really good call. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Because he would again, have been in like, my top three. Yeah, yeah. You got, like I'm just you know trying to think about like you said. It. I don't. I don't see. It. I don't think it's going to be Giannis, and I don't think it's going to be Rudy. I, Rudy's got three, and I think that that's probably it because the playoff stuff. Just even though it's not accurate, it still sticks with people. That and the fact that there is just real voter fatigue, as we kind of talked about earlier, with like the Carl Malone, Michael Jordan thing, right? Right. Rudy Gobert is unequivocally one of the absolute best defenders in the NBA. There's Mm -hmm. a very real case. He's the most impactful player defensively in the NBA. I am not taking that away from him. I just really think that there will be voter fatigue this year. I also think that we're changing our definition, though, right? So Rudy Gobert can be the most... uh, impactful night-to-night regular season defender, but he's not the most versatile. And, and, you know, this whole conversation happened last year about him and Ben Simmons, and I thought that that was – it was a a great talking point to describe the difference in the two, right? Like Ben Simmons can win you any given possession. Rudy Gobert is going to win you most of them. And that's the difference. Like just that stability that you get from Gobert, it's boring to be honest. And so the voter fatigue, I think, comes from that. But also, you know, it's just it isn't as impressive as what Ben Simmons does. But I think that 
Draymond it's not is as cool looking. Exactly. I think is better is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. and Draymond's you know a, a bit of a mix, and you know people are going to watch the Warriors at least you know uh, at least until Clay Thompson comes back because if Clay doesn't look great and they're going to miss the playoffs, then you know no chance for Draymond to win it. But I think Draymond will have a shot. Yeah, no, I, I like that pick a lot. He would have definitely been in my top three. Um, yeah, I, I would have said the guys that I look at. Look, Rudy Gobert is going to finish somewhere in the top three oh, of yeah, Defensive forever. Player of the Year. Like, no question. Yeah. It's just whether or not people will vote for him to win. I, I'm a little bit skeptical of whether or not people will vote for him to win, despite the fact that he is as unbelievable as he is defensively. Uh I think there's going to be a push. Like, I think Dre is a great pick. I think there's going to be a push for a perimeter player like Drew Holiday. Uh the, hey, Paul George, another, man. We're going to talk. I have a Paul George section coming up here once we get to some of the fun awards. Uh, the Bama Bio one is interesting. Of the year. I don't think he's winning Defensive Player <laughs> no, of the Year, no. but <laughs> I, I am going to give him award. Give him an award uh, coming up here in a minute. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's just kind of buzz through these next two six man of the year. Honestly, like I think we just don't know what starting lineups. Are yeah, I have no like idea. I, like, to I, an extent, yeah, I think um, you know um, it, Jordan Clarkson has just as good a shot of winning it again. I mean, yeah. you know, we know it winds up mostly being about points. You know, who, who's going to score a lot coming off the bench? That that basically yeah. it. Um, Tyler Hero might have a shot at this if he if he you know yeah. comes off the bench all season because I do think he's going to score a lot for them, and I th- I think that they're going to be decent and going to be um have, they're going to have a lot of attention on him. So Tyler Hero would be my pick for sixth man of the year. Uh just because I don't want to just say Jordan Clarkson cuz he won it last year. Uh I'm extremely bummed after seeing the Lakers preseason games that uh Bet MGM does not have Malik Monk uh listed as a potential sixth man Oof. of the year. I they do have my my pick at number 2 though. Uh I I went with Kevin Herter. Uh seems like he's going to come off the bench especially early in the season so i think what kevin herter showed defensively last year uh he's also going to score points like maybe not quite as many as jordan clarkson but i think he's just a more well-rounded player than jordan clarkson so i I went with herter i think clarkson's a great potential pick um you know like we're going to talk about patty mills in a little bit here like i I think that there are a lot of really interesting picks there but I i would go with Herder personally but this this award we just don't we don't have enough information maybe is the better way to put it uh and then rookie of the year you don't watch a ton of rookies coming in do you i try so i used to prep for the draft uh, you know as hard as anybody um but the truth of right. the matter is i just felt like i was throwing out a lot of work right it just it was extra work i didn't really need it for what i do uh, so now what I've tried to do is, you know, I obviously follow the draft work and get a little bit done ahead of time, but it, it'll, I've allowed myself to not have preconceived notions about these guys. And so I start watching them once they hit summer league. So I've been watching guys, you know, I, I've seen a little bit of stuff from preseason, very little, but I've seen quite a bit of, of summer league stuff. So I'm not up on rookies until – you know, maybe December, January, when I start to get a feel for what they actually are in the NBA. It's easier for me that yeah. way. Yeah. Look, I think that, uh, look, I'll read, I'll read off the odds maybe just to give people a bit of a, uh, bit of an understanding of where we're at Cade Cunningham is five to two Jalen Green three to one Jalen Suggs 15 to two Evan Mobley eight to one Scotty Barnes eight to one Alperin Shangoon 14 to one Davion Mitchell 18 to one. 
I picked Cade Cunningham because I think he's the best rookie this year. I mm-hmm. think Jalen Green's going to score the most points. I think Jalen uh, Green's any got a rookie chance to this win. Year. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind if look the, the odds are basically right? the same. Yeah, I, the opportunity is going to be so real. I think Cade Cunningham with an older coach like with Dwayne Cade, I think that actually is a hindrance for this. Mm-hmm. In this instance, I think it's going to be a help for a lot of other stuff with Cade Cunningham, but I think in particular. Scoring load won't be the same, you know. I mean, it's it's just he's not going to have the same green light, not in the same way at least. Uh, he's going to have, I'm sure he's going to have a green light, but it's not going to be like the one in Houston for everybody. So I, I just think that the scoring is going to be the differentiator here. Unless, I mean, I mean, unless he's somehow able to put up like eight, nine assists a game, which with that roster, I don't, I don't know where they're going to come from. Kelly Olynyk, yeah, might light it up, I, but. I also worry, do they just give him the ball, or do they try and make this Killian Hayes thing happen? Well, if Summer League was any indication, we're going to see a lot of left-handed dribbling. Uh, and yeah, well, only left-handed gonna... dribbling for the we're Detroit see, uh We're going to see some memes on the internet at some point about Killian Hayes. Like, stop trying to make fetch happen, like yes. in Mean Girls. Uh, stop trying to make Killian Hayes happen when you have Cade Cunningham right there. Yep. Uh, yeah, look. I think Jalen Green is a good person to bet on. I'm firmly on team Cade Cunningham. Like, I think Cade Cunningham is going to be like a league average defender as a rookie, which is like almost impossible. Like, he's that good. He's got great um, I instincts, he's... man. I was really impressed. I actually was impressed by his just natural leadership, uh, you know, making eye yep. contact with the guys on the court. Like, some of the little. That's who the, he is. Yeah, the more subtle stuff that I saw from him in Summer League, I'm very, very impressed by. Um, I again, this guy is not the player he's going to be in two years. So I don't even like. I don't know what the coaching staff is even going to allow him to do. Whereas in Houston, it sort of feels like they're just going to roll the ball out a little bit. And, and I mean, I think yeah. that that kind of gives gives uh, you know Jalen a, a little bit of an edge as far as this award goes. But you know, I'm with you, man. I, from everything that from everyone I've talked to, scouts, coaches in the league. Uh, Folks like you who who cover the draft and also talk to I me, mean, you talk to more people than I do about the draft. Everyone thinks that this guy, like you said, is going to be able to defend at an average level as a rookie, and they believe in the shot. So, I mean, I don't know. I think he, he's he should win the award, right? Like he's going to be he's the best player in the group. It's just about let, that opportunity. Me, I, I want to name one like way off the radar guy who has looked fucking amazing in preseason and it's Trey Murphy in new Orleans. Uh, he was, I thought one of the absolute best rookies at summer league. He is making threes like nobody's business so far in the preseason. He's sitting at 66 to one on, uh, our good friends over at bed MGM. It, look, you've like 10 bucks to spare. I, I think there are worse bets to make, uh, than Trey Murphy right now. I think Trey, Looks like he's going to play a significant role on the New Orleans Pelicans. Like, if I was the Pelicans, I'd probably be starting him and Nikhil Alexander-Walker next to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and Jonas. I love Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He, he's uh, high up on my list of guys who could um, get a little bit more attention this season. Okay. Let's take one more quick commercial break, and then we'll get into some of the more fun awards that I wanted to do.
Okay. Now we're going to get into the good stuff. Breakout player, which is like a knockoff of most improved player, but I just hate what the most improved player has become. It's basically like the best, like, you know, second year guy who like his numbers jump or whatever. I don't know that this guy's numbers. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this guy's numbers are going to jump, but I think that by the end of the year, we are going to talk about this guy as being like one of the absolute best young point guards in the NBA in a way that he is not discussed right now. I picked Darius Garland for this. You must I think Darius really Garland, believe in that passing. I do believe in the passing uh, to quite a high level, and I believe in the shooting as well at a pretty high level. Um, Can he do I, it I think next he's, to Colin Sexton? No, I, I think that they need to do something with Colin at some point. But put it this way, like by the end of the year, I like I think that they know already based off of like some of the reporting that seems to be out there that Darius is their guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that more than anything, it's going to become very clear that the two guys they need to build around. And again, this is, I think this is stuff they know. Like I think Chris Fedor like actually reported this, that they feel this way. The two guys they need to build around are Darius Garland and Evan Mobley uh, is your point guard center like pivots. Uh, I think Darius Garland is an absolute stud. I think he's going to average like 22 in like eight assists this year. Uh, wow. If he gets the opportunity, if he gets the opportunity, if they move Colin Sexton, if they just frankly like split those guys time more, I think he's going to have an absolutely monster season numerically. So I, I was going to say Michael Porter Jr., which is like my pick, like if I'm just trying to guess who might win the award, right? That not who I think should win the award necessarily. Cause Michael Porter jr. Is going to score a lot of points and he's going to play a lot more and have more attention. Nikhil Alexander Walker is a guy who should yeah. be on the list. OG Ananobi, who I thought was going to do it last year. And he did, he was good last year. I think he's got a real chance to establish himself. At, like would it, would it strike you as completely out of left field if OG is the one B this year to, to no, Pascal. Not at all. Okay. He, he started to show like some of that ball handling ability. Yes. They started to use him a little bit more in pick and roll. Wouldn't totally blow my mind. And by the way, Pascal's going to miss the first 20 ish, let's say 15 ish games of the season. Yeah. So he's going to get to really work that well with Fred Van Vliet early mm-hmm. and they're really running, which I think helps him, uh, you know, just taking from preseason, it seems like they're going to like sprint the floor as much as they can. Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. I, I will say, just looking at BetMGM here, like there are some real there. There's a way for you to do some damage if you have a strong feel on this award, <laughs> because like Shea Gilgis Alexander seven to one, Zion is seven to one, Michael Porter Jr. is seven and a half to one, Kevin Porter Jr. is nine to one, Zach Levine's twelve to one. Colin Sexton's 12 to one. Like a lot of these guys have already broken out the guys who are right. the favorites for this award. So if you can, you know, kind of mine the, the middle tier, the guys, you know, like uh, Jordan pool, is it 40 to one? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think here. Uh, Tyler hero is 66 to one. Uh, Matisse Thibel's 80 to one. Like there, there are a lot of guys here where you can potentially make a killing if you feel real strongly about them one way or another. Put it that way. 
Hmm. Okay. Let's uh let's go to most important player that nobody is talking about. I will let you take the floor on this one, Dave. Tobias Harris. Love that pick. Just took completely forgotten. And, you know, that dude was awesome last year. Guess what? He's going to have more pick and roll opportunities. Guess what he's awesome at? <laughs> Being in the pick and roll. Listen, Tobias Harris is a really good player. And, okay, the, the contract stuff gets to be funky in you know in the zeitgeist generally but that's a dude that just is forgotten about a lot in a way that chris middleton kind of was previously and i wonder if they if they can find you know when when they eventually do make the simmons trade is tobias harris a guy who with an increased workload might be sneaking into some of these lists at the end of the season might be a most improved guy, even though he's on a max deal. You know what I mean? Like, might be in those conversations that people are having. Like, you know, this guy got so much better or produced so much more uh, under the increased workload, and it was it was a positive for them. I think Tobias Harris is a guy who could be absolutely pivotal to this team if they want to remain in that top half of the East, which I think they could, depending on this trade. I mean, this is a team that, if they if they run it back, I like them quite a bit. I think they are in the mix, uh, in that top three mix. But Tobias Harris is the guy that that comes to mind for me. How do you feel about him? Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I think he goes really underrated. I think another thing that goes in his favor is certainly playing for uh, Doc Rivers, who he's continued to have an immense amount of success with over the course of the years. Uh, starting in Los Angeles and then even last year in uh, Minnesota or uh, Philadelphia. I'm sorry. God, my brain just like totally broke there for a second. Um, It's a very interesting pick because you're right. Like he could end up getting a lot more on ball opportunity. Like have you watched any of the, I watched like a little bit of the 76ers preseason. It's, I don't want to say it's like dire, but it's not pretty in terms of them trying to create offense in any way, shape, or form. Uh, like, dribbling is hard for them at times right now. I, I, I would I would like to see them run a little bit more with Tobias. Like, I, I think that he has that in him. I, I just really wish that the thing that frustrated me most about him last year was he really hesitated pulling the trigger from three. Like he would get open three pointers generated for him and he would pump fake and get into the mid range or he'd hesitate. And by the time that hesitation stopped, he would, I guess like almost like just be closed out on already. So he couldn't go and take that shot. Like I would just like to see him fucking pull the trigger. He was almost a 50, 40, 90 guy last year. Tobias Harris can really shoot the shit out of the ball. Just fucking fire Tobias. Like, please. That's what I'm, it's all I'm asking. Just fucking shoot the ball when you're open. <laughs> I, yes. Yeah. So, uh, who's your guy? I went with Paul George. I feel like everyone is kind of not, is just like not talking about the Clippers right now because, they don't That's have funny. Kawhi Leonard. So I keep bringing nope. up Paul George as a guy who I think, you know, if the Clippers are in the top four somehow, that's a that's a sneaky MVP candidate guy. 
But it feels like nobody's talking, like anyone that I've really seen, like nobody's talking about the Clippers, just well, be- other than you, because so here, here's they the, don't have Kawhi. So see, nobody we, thinks they're contenders now. And this is the, that's the thing, right? It's they don't see them as finals contenders, and it just completely ignores the entire regular season, which, you know, they're still going to be pretty good. I, I just, they're not going to win the title. Not without Kawhi, although the, the reporting is that Kawhi looks amazing in his rehab, which... Would, I mean, if Kawhi came back in April and was awesome, w- would that shock you? No, nah, not me. I, I guess I've seen crazier stuff out of that dude. But I, I'm with you. I think Paul George has a good chance that if the Clippers outperform our expectations, it's going to be because of him. Yeah, I I mean, it's absolutely going to be because of him. He has turned into one of the absolute best three-point generators in the NBA because he's six foot nine and can shoot over the top of anyone and has incredible shiftiness with the ball in his hands. Uh, I mean, I think people just didn't really recognize how good he got in the games he played last year. Like, late in the year, he was pretty fucking close to the guy he was in Oklahoma City when he finished third in MVP. He wasn't quite there yet, but I would bet you Paul George is right around 27, 28 points a game again this year. Uh, The same level he was at during that incredible uh, 2019 Oklahoma City year where he was genuinely one of the five best players in the NBA that season. It was absolutely incredible what he was able to do, especially on both ends of the court, not just the offensive end. Uh, yeah, I, I I would not count out the Clippers by any stretch of the imagination, almost purely because Paul George is there and because they play a pretty modern brand of basketball. Like they have a ton of really good wings that are going to make it hard to play against this year. Like they have pretty good rim protection because of Itza Zubats uh, still exists and is still very good. Uh, Eric Bledsoe coming in, like maybe we get a rebound Eric Bledsoe year. If we do that, like if we get a rebound Eric Bledsoe year, this situation becomes very interesting in a hurry, I think for them because they could actually be really, really good. Uh, Reggie Jackson, obviously returning is huge. If we get playoff Reggie Jackson, that would be great. Like, I am I'm fairly in on the Clippers this year. The more I think about it, just in comparison to where everyone else is on the Clippers, maybe is the way to put it. Uh I mean I think they're kind of middle of the pack in the West. Just again, no Kawhi. Um but if they get out of that, I do think it'll be Paul George driven. Yeah. Okay. Most likely guy to be traded. Dave, are we not saying Ben Simmons for for all yeah, of these? Look, I, I mean, I figured that you would pick Ben, so like let's let's just <laughs> talk about Ben what real about, quick. What about Joe um, Ingles? Ingles is interesting. I hope he doesn't get traded. He's just like so synonymous with Utah. Um, by the way, like I want to couch this in like we aren't reporting. This. No, 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 no. We, we are not reporting this. This is no, our speculation. You don't have to do that when based I'm based off the show. of team situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't be surprised how show. often everybody knows I'm surprised. not reporting anything purposely not <laughs> reporting anything here uh, but I did hear Joe Ingles is going to be tra- no I'm just, uh, I, I think Ingles <laughs> is a sneaky guy that, that could get moved uh, I thought he was a guy that the Warriors should have gone after in the offseason I'm not exactly you know I'm not a trade machine guy I'm don't like to be on the internet but 
you know, I, I just um, I, I didn't go and look for any specifics, but I thought that was a guy that that would fit with what they do. You know, he can run some pick and roll and uh, big enough body and, and can even play some four, which I think is at this point, like during the regular season, he probably should be doing more of that. So um, I, I don't with the expiring deal. I think that if you're Utah, you have to start thinking ahead at some point. Do you want to bring him back? You know, what's that going to look like? I'm sure they're having conversations now, but you can't lose him for nothing. He's too too important to the team. I mean, you know. So uh, I think that he could be a guy that's potentially moved. Ben Simmons is going to get traded. Yeah. So that's a little bit more of a boring conversation, but uh, it would. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be completely out of left field if if Ingles got moved. Yeah. So if you're Utah, do you move him or Boyan? I think Ingles as an expiring is just going to be a little bit easier to move. I mean, Oklahoma City yeah. might just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not I'm not sure what they're able to get. I mean, we know what Utah needs, and wing defenders just don't grow on trees, and they definitely don't get traded for 34-year-old, I don't, I mean, hybrid forwards. As, as great I love of a Joe shooter. Ingles so much, oh, So do I. I love yeah. his game. Great shooter. Uh, but he's going to be your fifth best starter. You know, maybe your fourth best starter if you're not that good, but um, you're just not going to get a, a three and D wing guy for for Joe Ingles at this point. That's going to be a difference maker. I think you'd almost be better off just all right. We're going to keep Joe Ingles and do this thing. But uh, the Rudy Gay addition there is going to be interesting to watch the first half of the season because that should inform the the Ingles decision. I think. See, to me, the Rudy Gay thing informs Boyan more than Joe because Joe does a lot more like offensive initiation. Whereas, like, I think Rudy is almost like a like for like. He's not quite as good as Boyan, but it's a like for like replacement for Boyan in a lot of ways. See, but I uh, actually think Boyan should be doing a little bit more initiation. I mean, if you think about when he finally got going last year, like when Donovan Mitchell was out, he was he was actually starting a lot of the offense. So, I mean, and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm with you. I think Joe Ingles, yeah, certainly he does a lot of that, but they, they shouldn't want him to. They actually should want him to do less because he was worn out by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, my, my pick here was Goran Dragic. We talked about Dragic yeah. uh, at the top. Is that a trade or a buyout, though? Could be buyout, but I think that the Raptors are keeping him because they think that he can be traded, right? Like, sure. I, I think that they're making that calculation that it's a doable thing for them. Uh, I mean, it's not like breaking news that Dallas like theoretically would have interest if he came available. Right. Uh, I don't know how they would get that done I in mean, a trade necessarily. Like it'd have to be Dwight Powell and something else. If I remember correctly, I've like worked out the math on it. I can't remember exactly what it is, which by the way, like to me, that deal makes some sense for Port- or for Toronto to get some depth. At center, uh, bring a Canadian player home that I think their fan base would really connect with. But I don't know if they actually have interest in that necessarily either. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there. Yeah. Goran Dragic is a like, good sixth man, though, at this point, And I think, again, could swing like a playoff series if he was to go out and be acquired. Uh this is a slightly different category. Most interesting preseason trade target. So not necessarily the guy that we think will be moved at some point, but just 
the guy that we think is very fascinating and could genuinely like swing a playoff race or like swing a team's fortunes by being moved. This is in the preseason, like right now. That you're right saying. now. Yeah. I mean, is anyone I'm not expecting any trades right now. Are, are is there a rookie extension oh, that I'm not thinking of? Oh, I see of? what you're saying. Yeah, is there yeah, a rookie no, 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 extension no. that I'm not thinking of? I mean throughout the course of the season. I see, I see what, you're, what you're saying. I see now. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, like as far as a swing guy goes, I, I will say this. I think it's actually pretty rare that any player traded during the season that's a non-superstar is really a swing piece. Yeah. Am, I, am I way off here? Uh, yeah, I mean, like it depends on like what we would consider, right? Like Jared Allen last year was an interesting one because Jared Allen – didn't sign a rookie extension and then got moved afterward. And it seemed like the writing had been on the wall since Jacques Vaughn decided to start DeAndre Jordan over him yeah. uh, the season prior. Um, this year, my, my pick for this is actually kind of an entire team. Uh, it is whatever the Indiana Pacers do because right. the Pacers have a fascinating just roster of talent and I am very intrigued to see what they decide to do with it. Like Malcolm Brogdon has this year and next year left on his deal, but I believe next year is a player option. If I remember correctly, I might be wrong about that. Um, They have Miles Turner, who has two years left. They have Karis LeVert, who has two years left. They have expirings for TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb. They have two years left on Justin Holiday. They have a new coach that's going to run something totally different than what uh, Nate Bjorkren was running and then what Nate McMillan was running the year before that. I have a feeling that this early portion of the season is going to be to kind of see what players work best within the Rick Carlisle scheme, what players uh, could theoretically be moved, and then they're going to make a decision from there and maybe make a move. Sure. I mean, look, Miles Turner is a good player that would fit a lot of teams, man. A lot of teams. So I'm with you there. Uh, Brogdon is really interesting. Yeah. Like, like they mean, have a lot of interesting guys. I don't, I don't get the Simmons to Philly uh, to Indiana thing. Like it, that they're one of the teams that keeps coming up. That makes no sense as a one to one. I mean, but man, I mean, if somehow Philly could get their hands on Malcolm Brogdon, psh, sign me up. So if if you're Philadelphia, do you even like do the problem is they don't really have any like I mean, do you do like Brogdon, Chris Duarte and like a lot of picks? Like I is that no kind idea. of the idea? I mean like TJ Warren in there. Was Indiana I don't know. gonna place a bonus Simmons and Miles Turner? No. Yeah, that seems bad to no, me. Like you almost have that. to you you have to move one of those two guys to a third team. You gotta rope I in think, the, the Warriors in a deal like that. And get some of their young guys and send Miles Turner there. I don't and I don't know, but but even like I don't know, I, I'm bad at fake trades. I'm really bad at fake trades. I'm awful. Yeah, at I, fake trades. Yeah, I, I don't know what such a deal would look like, which tends to make exactly. me think that it's probably not going to happen, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a uh, they. They to me are the team where I look at them and I'm like oh, they have a lot of really interesting pieces that a lot of other teams would love to have. So that makes me think that something could be 
happening at some point once Rick Carlisle gets comfortable with the roster and figures out exactly what he wants to do with it. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. Final category here among the uh, individual players. Most underrated or under the radar offseason move that could swing the title race. I sprung this on you a minute before the podcast started. You've had an hour to think about it. Oh, yeah. What, what, uh, what's your name here? Because there, there's Hill. one name. That, ooh, I like that. George one. Hill. Okay. Because it means no Bryn Forbes minutes <laughs> for the Bucks. Yeah. Now, his shooting was great, but man, it was an adventure on defense. I think George Hill gives you plenty of shooting, gives you a little bit of ball handling, and can hold up on the defensive end. So I, I think that was a big addition for the Bucks. Um helps their bench a lot, man. A lot. They that that was a weak point for them. You know, when DiVincenzo went down, I, I just think they didn't have another guy to be able to step up. I think George Hill is a good guy to be that guy. I think that the Bucks are going to be a much better regular season team. Robbie Callan and I talked about that on the Eastern Conference over-unders. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at who they went out and got, like they're going to get a full year out of Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez again. They have George Hill. They have uh, Dante DiVincenzo coming back from injury. They are probably going to get more minutes from Jordan Wara. Uh, they brought in Shimmy Ojale to steal some of those like tougher defensive minutes that Giannis has to play. Like hopefully, you know, if you need to have like a bigger body, who's like a big forward in there, like Shemi can take 10 of those minutes. Maybe um, they just have enough guys now to be able to eat up minutes. And that doesn't even include Grayson Allen. Right. Or maybe you get like the wild card that is Rodney hood to be able to play 15 minutes a night and like be good well, again. Rodney Hood was another guy that I, that I was thinking about, but you know th- my expectations are pretty low there. If he gives you anything, it's great. Yeah. But yeah, you're not going to get much. Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, but this seems just deeper than what it was last year, and I think that's really going to help them in the regular season. And I think that's important, particularly given the fact that both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are coming off of uh, very, very long seasons, including the finals and the Olympics. So getting them as much time to rest as they can, playing them a few fewer minutes per game, I think would really help them in the long run. Uh, The guy that I picked here is Patty Mills. And it's for obvious reasons that we have no idea what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. Again, like we, we should just continue to say that. We have no idea what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. Patty Mills, though, has proven that he can be a really valuable piece on a winning team, both in the Olympics and with San Antonio over the years. Uh, he just continues to get better, it feels like, with age. He is so creative uh, with the ball in his hands. He's such a ridiculous pull-up shooter. He is definitely not like a like for like replace. He's a like for like replacement with Kyrie. He's nowhere near the level that Kyrie brings. But I do think that he'll be able to eat up a significant amount of minutes that if Kyrie does not play in some home games, having Patty Mills around is going to be increasingly important for the Brooklyn Nets going forward. And he also can run your bench. You know, I mean, he's a a real professional basketball player in every sense of that word. Um, I love that signing. I, I love Patty Mills. I think he is one of the best bench players of his era. You know, when you just yeah. think about the importance of his role and his ability to close games, even 
having a guy who's going to be able to move the basketball the way he does, space the floor, quick, willing shooter, it's going to be good for them. And I can see him getting some some starts here and there, like you like you mentioned with Kyrie and his status being up in the air. Um, yeah, I, I love that signing too. Okay, final few questions here. What team wins the Eastern Conference uh, in terms of regular season? Regular season. I mean, I'll go the boring route and say Brooklyn. Yep, you know? I agree. I think it's also still going to be Brooklyn. Yeah, they uh, too much offensive creation. They have enough depth. Like, I think that they're going to win the East. Yeah. Western Conference regular season champion. This one's a little trickier to me. Um, I can see Utah doing it again. A lot of it with the Lakers is going to, you know, is their foot going to be on the gas? Will it have to be on the gas the whole time? Like, if they can lock up a top three seed and feel, like, pretty comfortable, uh, you know, are they going to keep pushing? Is LeBron going to play, you know, 75 games? I I don't know, man. Um, I I think that all of my questions have so little to do with level of talent and so much to do with strategy. Yeah. Which is one of the frustrating things, actually, about covering the NBA. It's, hey, is that team going to try in 82 games? Probably not. Uh, Now i got to (laughs) guess. Yeah, I mean, it's true, right? Like, every year, like, even, like, with the narrative stuff where we're sitting here talking, well, it's, you know, are they going to rest them too much? I I, I don't know. Um, So I I think that I could see Utah, depending on how experimental they get, because I I think that this could be their – they could be the bucks of this season where – they have gotten so much success with one thing and they know they need to mix it up that they might take a little bit of a step back during the regular season to step up in the playoffs if that you know like like Milwaukee yeah. did last year so they might do that phoenix could very well be the number 1 seed but i i'm going into this thinking that the lakers are going to go bell to bell and try to get the 1 seed and you know try to win a, another title the thing that Robbie and I talked about on the Western Conference Over Unders podcast was just how much having Russell Westbrook makes you makes your floor raised. Oh yeah, in the uh, regular season, like he just plays so hard every single night. You're going to have creation out there every single night that he plays. You're going to have great transition driving play every single night that he plays. He is just going to help them win more regular season games. I think they would be my pick and it would be closely followed by Utah just because they're they're so well oiled in terms of what they do uh from a schematic perspective. I will say also like you know I I pick Kevin Durant to win MVP. LeBron is sitting at 14 to 1 right now to win MVP. If the Lakers win the West, there's going to be a push for LeBron. Oh, to win and MVP there's going to be a huge narrative there too, right? And see, that's the thing. And, and I don't even say that as a negative, by the way. I think the narrative part of the MVP is actually important because MVP tells the story of the season without a stat yeah. book. You know, you don't, you don't have to – I don't have to watch all of these games. I can just say, oh, Jokic was the MVP. Wow. You know what I mean? And then you have the conversation right. about how that happened. So as, uh, I don't necessarily think uh, – me in the sport like in sports media should be pushing narratives necessarily because that's weird but certainly they're gonna play a part and i think i'm right there with you if lebron is doing what he started the season last year doing he's gonna get votes yeah yeah i think lebron is like somehow for the first time in his career might actually be like an underrated look at mvp uh like very seriously look i 
I think a lot of people have the wrong idea about me. I like crazy fun. So this Lakers team that feels kind of crazy because it's all these old guys or whatever, man, I hope that they are awesome. I hope it yeah. is basketball nirvana because that would be that would be just fun. It would be fun to talk about for a year. So I'd I think it's going to be that. really good. I think they're going to be really good too. <laughs> I really do think they're going to be really good. We're going to make fun of them. When old stuff happens, you know, when the old guy <laughs> situations arise, which is going to, you know, when one of them has bursitis or something. Here, here's the thing. They have so fever. many of them, though. <laughs> like, they have so many of these older guys that they're just going to be able to make it work, I they think. They have a never-ending supply of dudes that at least know how to just go out and be a professional basketball player. And that ask any ask Orlando what that's like. They don't know. Ask yeah. the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we and we are gonna tease. It's that's fun. It's fun teasing, but I, I swear, man, when you look at what they did and you look at what the Pelicans did, I think the Lakers did better. Yeah, they're, they're at least no, like you know. I, I just I don't know, man. I, I I I'm pumped about the Lakers. I'm really pumped about the Lakers. And if LeBron is at an MVP level, yeah, that's that's something else. That's special. That'd be a special it's gonna, season. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Okay, uh, Titleist, who is going to win the NBA championship in 2022? Dave Dufour. How about Milwaukee Bucks back-to-back? Screw it. Love it. That's what I'm picking on your show. I'm going to pick something else on. <laughs> no, Do it. Yeah, pick. Just run the gamut, and then oh, whenever. Yeah. yeah be like pulling whenever, clips. Uh, I'm going to save the clips. <laughs> Whenever it happens, just go for it. Just throw it out there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I, I do think that the Bucks have a good ch- uh, a good chance, and, and obviously, so much of Brooklyn is just about them having everybody there. Yeah. But even without Kyrie, I still think that there's a good chance that they can win it. Um, but yeah. my my three teams, I think it's Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and and the Lakers. That. That's my three favorites right now. I mean, that could change. I mean, you know, we could be sitting here beginning of January and, you know, maybe maybe Luca's made another leap and maybe Kristaps is healthy and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, Dallas is doing – you know, I think that this is one of those years that we've rarely had in the NBA where it is just so fucking wide open. It's awesome. And even with a juggernaut in, in Brooklyn – it's still pretty wide open. Kind of cool. The Nets, Lakers, and Bucks are the three favorites, according to BetMGM, to win the NBA title. Uh, Basic. Golden State is fourth right what? now because they. I am assuming that BetMGM has a significant liability from Warriors fans oh. <laughs> that they have to account oh, yeah. for. See, I don't, I don't gamble, so that like that part of of gambling just it never occurs to me that right yeah that bad gamblers influence lines because you know that's how it works so yeah, i always forget and that fans like fans just like toss you know sure thousand bucks on the warriors to win because yeah. like the warriors a lot, a lot of warriors fans are also pretty wealthy and can afford to like put a lot of money down on the warriors so it wouldn't surprise me what if they're the like a on pretty the warriors substantial just amount missing the playoffs completely is can you bet on that that's a good question. Let's see here. I, will, I have. I would like those numbers better. I'm assuming you can get 
like basically one and a half to one for them to be in the play in tournament. I don't know if I have misses the playoffs here from BetMGM. Uh, all I'm saying is uh, I'm I'm expecting a leap from Anthony Edwards and for Carl Anthony Towns to uh, be able to put a little bit more together and and actually stay healthy with a with a real coach up there. And I'm not ready to call it yet, but I, I think the Timberwolves could sneak into that that play-in spot that everyone is kind of penciling in Golden State for. I've been uh, – I'm I'm Mr. Positive uh, on the Timberwolves. I, that's, that's, I, I, picked, I picked their over in the over-unders podcast with Robbie. Robbie got a lot of shit for picking the under from Timberwolves fans. I, I am uh, – I, I don't even know if I'm firmly in on it, but I am uh, – I am in on a good Timberwolves team. I would like to see a good Timberwolves team. Maybe is the best way to put it. I'll let you in because it's just me and you. I'll let you in on another strategy that I use is always pick overs. See, that's because I'm not keeping track. Yeah, for the purposes of talking on a podcast, like you know, my my thing is this, right? Well, I have a natural tendency to lean toward the positive stuff, right? Uh, When I'm talking about a team, right? It's more fun for me. I'm a I got into this because I'm a basketball coach, and that's how our brains work typically. At least, you know, I hope I hope it's typical. And so, you know, I, I started. I literally would just pick the over, and then I'd argue, you know, where the over was coming from. It was, it's more fun that way to me uh, as an exercise. People shouldn't get mad though. No, no, on. no one can be mad for optimism. No, can't get. Well, I, I actually think even like. Robbie picking an under. No, you you got to gloat when they when they go over. Don't get mad. Bring it up later. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, this has been fun. Please tell the people where they can find your work uh, at the Athletic exclusively at the Athletic. Uh, the Athletic app, by the way, is fantastic, man. Like we just, uh, I mean, you know, Sam, we we've now like we're adding all this. These features and podcasts right there on the front page, so you can get to the pods very easily if you're a subscriber. So go to the Athletic for everything Dave Dufour related uh, with the NBA. <laughs> Love it, yeah. Go follow Dave. He is uh, a very very fun follow over at the Athletic, over on Twitter at Dave Dufour NBA. This has been Sam Vicini. Uh, Dave, have you have you watched any movies recently? I feel like we ask everyone that comes on. Oh, um, you know, what did I watch? Oh, I went and saw Venom. Oh, and, man, I'm so right. jealous. How good here's, was it? Here's what I'll tell you. The first Venom is one of the most awful movies I've ever seen in my life. It was, <laughs> it was I mean, it was terrible. It was so bad. And I wasn't going to go see this. But the reviews started to come out, and I'm not a review guy. I'm not into spoilers. I don't really follow stuff uh, generally, but I also don't follow movies. So I, I don't even know. Like, I didn't know Andy Serkis directed this movie until I happened to. I don't. I was, there was a featurette yeah. or something. Uh, like, I just don't care. Right. Like, I just want to see the movie. That goes for all movies and TV shows. Basically everything. Just show me the stuff. And so the reviews came out, and I happened to see one on Twitter, and the, the guy was like, look, it's silly. And I was like, man, I have nothing to do this afternoon. 
I'm going to go see this silly movie that's like an hour and 30 minutes long, which another bonus, just get me in and get me out. It was fun, man. It felt like uh, like a 90s action movie, like a buddy action movie is what it felt like. And, and it was really, really fun. It was silly. I, I found myself giggling quite a bit. And yeah, I, I thought it was a fun movie. I, I'm sold just based off of that review. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the first Venom a little bit just because it was so dumb and so mm-hmm. silly and so ridiculous. Uh, I, I am one of the, I, I think that movie made like $800 million somehow, the first Venom. Uh, that's how we end up with a second Venom movie. Uh, I, I had a great time at the first yeah. Venom and I'm looking forward to seeing the second Venom uh, whenever movie theaters open up here in Australia again, which... I mean, you, I you might be streaming awaiting. it. You might be streaming it uh, at this point. Um, God. I mean, I, I don't know. I, we, we can get into that on another thing. But uh, other than that, <laughs> oh, man, I, I saw the Suicide Squad, the new Suicide Squad, which was fun. But everything is a superhero yeah. movie. And, and I will admit, uh, look, I grew up reading comic books. Like, I was a nerd. Well, I'm not even going to say that because I wasn't a nerd. Uh, but I read a lot of comic books. And this is almost yeah. like it's it's – 10-year-old me, this would be a dream come true if I, if I had said, man, they're going to have all these great superhero movies. But, man, I wish there were some movies that weren't just superhero movies. Yeah, you've really got to search for them yeah. now. Um, I, Jason like Statham has a new I, movie that I need to watch. Because at least it's not, a, it's not a superhero movie. Are you talking about Wrath of Man? Maybe. Did that just come out? Yeah. Okay. It came out in like February. I saw it. It was fine. James I, Bond is I, out. I, I'm going to go see James okay. Bond. That's Look, I, I love Bond Did. movies. I mean, we could have done a podcast on Daniel Craig as the best and worst Bond. Dave, I, I, I'm not joking. I am legitimately in on that podcast. I'm rewatching the Bond movies right well, now. I well, think what I've realized is that the Bond franchise with Daniel Craig might be my favorite piece of IP out there right now. Like... I love those movies so much. Like, I just rewatched Casino Royale uh, Mm -hmm. maybe three days ago. Great movie. Something like that. Coming in with the black, like, even the start of it, like, in black and white, like, they just set the whole tone for for what the series was going to be. And I'm not a big, like, talk about movie guys, but those movies in particular, I think that they did such a nice job of marrying Bond movies with what the genre turned into. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Like the plot of Casino Royale is like borderline incomprehensible. Like it is so like there, there's so much stuff going on and like you have to be paying attention to every single thing to understand exactly why. Well, why is Daniel Craig like going to play poker? Like in, I think he's in the Bahamas. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? Like, honestly, I don't even know that it holds together completely, but like you said, like with that scene in black and white in casino Royale to start the Daniel Craig era, that movie is just so fucking cool. Like, that's just like what it comes down to. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. Like it's sleek. It's, Daniel Craig is just really awesome as Bond. He marries like I, now the I can, ruggedness you can, that they wanted say, with. Oh my god! Like you it's, can it's argue, a perfect movie. Almost. Now you can argue that he's not a good Bond, right? So there, there is that argument. Like Timothy Dalton, I don't think you know if the standard for Bond is is uh, Sean Connery, then 
you know, I think that it's it's much more of that Pierce Brosnan Remington Steel act than it is the Daniel Craig physical brute yeah. force. You know what I mean? But I again I, I enjoyed these movies a lot and I'm gonna go see Bond. Maybe maybe not tonight, am, but maybe tomorrow. I am so jealous that I can't go and see that movie. Like it is it is the like disappointment of lockdown for me that lockdown is not over before No Time to Die came out. Yeah. I, I uh well, I desperately for me, need to see it's it. That it Lockdown wasn't over before No Time to Die was supposed to come out originally. That's <laughs> yeah, how I know, much right? I hate it. Oh my well, god! I'm, look, I'm rooting for you guys in Australia. We uh, we need it. We yeah. really need it. Dave, thanks for coming on. This has been the Game Three Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We'll be back next week with more from Matt Penny, with more NBA stuff. We'll we'll see. I don't, I don't even know what I'll write about yet. What I'll podcast about, but. We're going to have fun. Uh, Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.